this blew up, listeners. If you're enjoying our show, you might also like some of The Ringer's other narrative podcasts, like Just Like Us, a deep dive into the era of tabloids. Think TMZ and Paparazzi, Benefer and Brangelina. Or Gamblers, a show about people who make money off the weirdest stuff. Like, did you know you can gamble on chess? We like making shows for you here at The Ringer. And we like you. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. On Friday, February 5th, 2021, a group of about seven influencers and staff who worked for Clubhouse Media Group were on their way to Vegas. Most of them were getting there via a chauffeured party bus. You know, one of those boxy, low-lit vehicles with communal seating and a stripper pole. That party bus would stay in Vegas and double as their chauffeur around town. Head of talent Chase Werneman said he drove the four-hour journey separately, with CEO Amir Ben-Yohanan riding shotgun. I should say, I've reached out to Amir to ask about this trip to Vegas, among many other things, but haven't received a response. The plan, according to a schedule I obtained, was to convene at a spacious two-story house in Vegas. This oasis was the latest addition to the company's content house empire. They called it Society Las Vegas. Nor Coder, a self-made content house profiteer and one of the company's house managers, tagged along. We had a house out there that I feel like it opened either end of January or something, or early February, but a few of the creators in the house were really close with some of the creators that were in that Vegas house. And so they were like, okay, for Super Bowl, let's just all go there. There, they would spend the weekend generating content to spread the word of the new house. Shoots for TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube were scheduled between go-karting sessions, outings on the Strip, and a party for the big game. So we all went to Vegas.
But even before they arrived, the company's dysfunctional culture began to poison the proverbial punch bowl. It began on that party bus. While at a pit stop, Amir FaceTimed Nor Coder to check in on the group. An influencer named Devin Winkler talked about the call on a podcast called The Sink. And then he, like, saw the stripper pole. And then he was like, Dev, like, where's Dev? And I, he was like, Dev, like, show him how it's done on the stripper pole. And I was like, oh my, my knee's bad. And he's a 50-year-old dude, right? He's old. Oh, oh my God. Oh, God. So creepy. Nora remembers the incident. She kind of, like, brushed it off, I guess. Like, she was kind of like, ah. That was kind of the interaction. It was a bit of a weird, like, ah, you know, push it off thing. On that same podcast, Devin said that after those comments, she tried to keep her distance from Amir for the rest of the trip. But he was still at many of the group activities planned for the weekend. The next day, on Saturday, February 6th, Amir and his wife hosted a big dinner for everyone at a restaurant inside Caesar's Palace, a branch of the famed red sauce joint Carmine's. The vibe was jubilant. Remember, the company's stock had benefited from a stray Elon Musk tweet the week before. The liquor was flowing, according to Chase Swernerman. The food was really good. Um, I know everyone was drinking, and it was good. I think the whole vibe during dinner seemed lively, and everyone was getting along and, and so forth, and then everyone went back to the party bus afterwards. That everyone included Clubhouse Media Group staff and influencers, but not Amir. There was music and dancing. Party bus was lit. <laughs> party bus yeah, was lit. George Gomez, a photographer on the trip. Especially with Chase uh, using the stripper pole. That was fun. I got on the pole, probably. <laughs> yes, I, and I, I, just everyone was encouraging me. They were like, get on the pole, get on the pole. And I was like, no, I'm not getting on the pole. And then eventually I did because I was drinking and, you know, you know how that goes. <laughs> Both Nor and Chase said very few of them were over 21. Chase himself was only 19 at the time so they couldn't go out on the strip. Instead, they all ended up back at the society house upstairs. They were playing a drinking game called Paranoia. I know, I hadn't heard of it either. George explained it to me. Basically, one person whispers a question to someone else, like, Who got the worst outfit of the night? And the person who hears the secret question will point at the person they think fits that description. Then the person who gets pointed at can demand to know what the question was, but only if they take two shots first. So obviously everybody wanted to know what the people were asking. So then the game started, it got really heated. Where it would be like, who would you like have sex with? Or like, who do you think is like a virgin? Or who do you think has more bodies with them? Like, who do you think does like the worst like sex? So stuff like that, you know, it got really heated. And there was uh, two handles of alcohol being passed around. Um, So everyone was continuing to get, you know, further intoxicated, very much so. I know I was that night. At a certain point, the vibe, as they say, shifted. At first, it seemed uh, as if it was just, you know, going on fun and games and so forth. And then you could tell people were starting to get agitated at the things that were being said. Pretty soon, the questions turned to work. Questions like, Who is the worst manager from Clubhouse? And then this game got really heated where... Everybody was getting upset with each other in the game. So, yeah, basically the opposite of practicing trust falls at a corporate retreat. As the night devolved, Chase got roped into a group chat on his phone. It was around 11 p.m. 
nor remembers him being distracted. So we were playing that game, and I remember uh, like Chase was playing it with us, and he was on his phone like texting very aggressively, and he was a little bit drunk. This company trip marked about a year since the beginning of Amir's content house business. It had become a revolving door in the creator scene. Influencers, photographers, and managers had walked in eager to live out their social media fantasies. And a lot of them had walked out, jaded, distressful, and distraught. But no matter how consistently they were burned by the company, there always seemed to be a new young LA transplant waiting in line to take their place. It was almost as if Clubhouse Media Group had adopted a strategy that saw talent as replaceable. It instilled pressure to be productive while aggressively scaling up, even if that meant a high turnover rate in the process. In an industry where you can lose the spotlight just as quickly as you found it, you could argue that turning up the pressure was a shrewd business move. But when a company's value relies on the public cooperation of its famous employees, cracks in the culture can be an existential threat. And that night, it was crumbling from within. What was about to happen in Vegas was not going to stay there. Nothing was ever the same after Vegas. I'm Alyssa Bereznak from Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network. You're listening to This Blew Up. I have a copy of the text exchange that Chase got into that night. The conversation was between him, Amir, a creator named Cynthia Parker, and her mother, Tanya. Cynthia was a 16-year-old dancer from Canada who'd been living at Not A Content House, or Notch, in Los Angeles. She skipped the Vegas trip, so earlier that night, Chase had reached out in this group chat to remind her of a few upcoming posts that she was expected to complete, all part of his job. Her mother responded by asking how much money the company had earned that month via so-called house deliverables. In other words, how much money had the company collected in the name of paying for their living arrangement? It was a fair, if frustrated, question. I took it to mean she wanted more transparency related to how Clubhouse Media Group conducted its business. Amir did not respond kindly to the request. Just a heads up, what you're going to hear now is a reenactment of certain parts of this text exchange. These are not the real voices of the people involved. Tanya, are you implying that Cynthia is doing too many house deliverables? We've been housing her for over six months, sponsored her visa, gotten her a ton of brand deals, and are helping her with her music. All this while putting up with tardiness, being hard to reach, etc., I'd like to know if you feel this is a one-sided agreement. Tanya's response was simply, I asked a question. This is where Chase, who was drunk at the time, let loose. For context, he told me that because a bunch of people on the business side of the company had recently left, his workload was heavier than usual. He'd been asking Amir for a raise for a while by this time, but kept getting shut down. He was feeling overwhelmed and underappreciated. So he responded with a block of text suggesting that if Cynthia couldn't, quote, get her shit together, then maybe she shouldn't live at Notch anymore. The next morning, Amir piled on. He instructed Chase to take away certain privileges from Cynthia and touched on something pretty crucial for a Canadian citizen, her ability to stay in the U.S. at all. Not even sure it's worthwhile for us to pursue sponsoring the visa at this point. Let someone else have that pleasure. Chase, please cancel the Monday music session. 
Tanya replied to say that Cynthia would have her room packed up by that Thursday. Amir did not let up. It just hurts when you are ungrateful and unwilling to cooperate with us. If you know anyone else willing to do all of the above, house Cynthia in the best room we have in Beverly Hills and have her ignore our requests and push back, please take that deal. Tanya defended her daughter. At no time have Cynthia or myself been ungrateful. It is your heated responses and negative comments about Cynthia that make a mother very uncomfortable and no longer see this as a healthy business relationship. And then Cynthia herself jumped in. I have never been ungrateful. I love each and every person and I'm proud to have spent the last seven months of my life with you guys. It's so sad to see you throw it all away with negative comments and text me, almost threatening my visa for me to get work done. Really says a lot about this management and its true colors. Thanks, Amir, truly for everything. Good luck. Chase piped in to inform Cynthia she had seven days to vacate the Not A Content House property. He made some comments about her behavior, saying she was, quote, bipolar, and suggested that because of her age, she lacked, quote, mental development. There were some more heated exchanges after that. I won't get into all of it. But this whole exchange ended with Amir offering Tanya parenting advice. As a parent, you should be joining us in the effort for Cynthia's betterment. Taking sides blindly is not going to help her develop. I don't tell you how to run your business. Don't tell me how to be a parent. Thank you, Amir. You really just keep digging. Finally, Cynthia, who I might remind you was only 16 at the time, put a period on the conversation. Don't you dare come after my mom now. You have taken this way too far. My mother is the most supportive single mom I can ask for and has been on her own and with my dogs for six months while I have been in your shitty management. I didn't get to her on my birthday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and my own birthday because I've been with you, Amir, trying to work my hardest. In conclusion, just fuck you and stop digging. It's over and I will never be working with you again. I don't need to tell you that all of this was a deeply inappropriate way to speak to a 16-year-old and her mother. And yet, this conversation is so familiar. There's a real showbiz fluency to it. The entertainment world has made a practice of exalting youthful innocence while silently crushing it behind the scenes. Parents trade their duties of packing high school lunches in for pushing back against contract clauses. We get the bouncy lip sync videos and makeup tutorial live streams and the talent in question gets stressed down by their management. This dynamic has been around as long as the Hollywood sign itself, but it's far more chaotic and rampant in a world where fame is theoretically accessible to anyone with a nice smile and an iPhone. So many creators begin as minors, in part because that's what makes them good at social media and culturally relevant. And there's this assumption that because they look mature or wizard content producers or make a ton of money, They're expected to toughen up and take everything like an adult. In this conversation, Amir seemed to leave no room for the simple fact that sometimes a kid just needs a break. She was only 15 when she first came into the house. And, you know, you can't really expect to run a whole business, you know, dependent on someone that young. And I was young as well. So, you know, I didn't know how to speak with someone, you know, like, in that age range and and so forth. Though Chase made some obvious mistakes, he makes a very fair point. 
He was only 19 when he stumbled into Clubhouse Media Group's first content house and got a tattoo and a job. In our conversations, he's expressed the heavy toll the company's culture took on him and how it left him feeling isolated and depressed. He said he regrets his behavior. When we read through that text exchange together, he was visibly upset. If I could go back and do it differently, I 100% would. Um, And I believe the only reason that I was so heated in that discussion was because I had a mirror on the phone with me on speaker the entire time. I'm messaging, you know, yelling and upset. And, and, you know, that aggression filtered off to me. and, And that's why my message was such. But the damage was already done. Word was spreading among the company's contractors and creators about this exchange. Screenshots were being shared. The company wrapped up the weekend with what I imagine was a very awkward Super Bowl party for some. Everyone went back to Los Angeles, and then Notch members started posting cryptic TikToks about them leaving the house. Norcoder recalls momentum building. There comes a certain point, it's like, almost like a movement, you know, like when, when something isn't going right, you know, you gotta show the people who are causing the not rightness to make it right. Three days after that Super Bowl party, a new post appeared on the Not A Content House YouTube channel. Uh, hey guys, you're about to watch the most real, real shit ever. ASMR of tea right now. The title was in all caps. The end of an era. The truth. Thank you for everything. Two exclamation points. Cynthia Parker opened. We are gathered here today to talk about why we left Notch, why Notch is not a thing. Um, our experiences about management, talking about our management, and just all that stuff, because I know everyone's like, what the hell is going on? Let me give you a quick summary of this video. Four of Not A Content House's teen girl members were taking a metaphorical sledgehammer to the public facade of Clubhouse Media Group. It was Cynthia, Devin, and their housemates Sabrina Cassetta and Anna Shoemate. They were dressed in hoodies and t-shirts, sitting at a table, slumped over their microphones looking wrung out. For 26 minutes and 20 seconds, they detailed the strife they'd experienced under clubhouse management, a lot of which I've reported out in this podcast. There was the anxiety that their spots could be gone at any moment. If we even complain, like, we could get kicked out. That's what they would do to us. They would just be like, you know, at any second, like, you're going to be gone. You have, like, two days to pack your shit up and you're going to be homeless, you know? Like, it it was, like, constant anxiety for us. It was scary. The time that a bunch of men with guns burst into their house and demanded they leave. Just a bunch of people broke into the house and were threatening all the girls. The sexist comments. There was this one time where we all literally sitting around the table, like, our mental health is so insanely bad. Like, you were overworking us. And he replies with, you guys are probably on your period. (laughs) Like, it it was really manipulative, the way that we were treated, the way, like, we were told we were family- And we were, like, so important. And then we were just used. It was, like, manipulating teenage girls. That's exactly what it was. The name-calling. I got called bipolar um, and mentally undeveloped. And finally, Cynthia Parker described how dehumanized she felt having her value tethered to Clubhouse Media Group's stock price. The most uncomforting feeling is being told that you are a literal dollar sign and that you are a literal stock in this company. When the video posted, everyone was like, new complaints against the biggest chain of content houses in Los Angeles just dropped. And the social media drama machine kicked into gear. It was a campaign for accountability and a content fest all at once. 
It was trending in the top 10 videos on YouTube. Blogs and tea accounts across multiple platforms documented the fallout, highlighting the video's most salacious moments. We were all brainwashed. We were all brainwashed for months. Completely brainwashed. And influencers who had lived at one of the company's properties or interacted with Clubhouse Media Group's upper management there were, as they say, sounding off in the comments. Thomas Petro, one of the Hype House co-founders, wrote a warning on a T account about the people running Not A Content House. They actively tried to ruin my life for six months. Another Hype House member named Alex Warren backed him up. For anyone saying why didn't they speak out earlier, etc. These dudes are backed by millions of dollars. Even Daisy Keach, the face of the original Clubhouse launch, chimed in. Your lives will be so much more peaceful and drama-free after getting out. Heart. When I asked her about this, Daisy told me she wanted them to know things got better. I saw in their video that they're going through this crazy drama thing like a lot of us girls did at the clubhouse. And so I just you know, wanted to let them know, like, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Life is not always going to be like this. Lauren Kettering tried to stay out of this whole thing. She had declined to take part in the bombshell notch video, but she noticed the story had taken on a life of its own. Not even just the girls in our house. Like, everyone spoke out when this was happening. Um, Past members, people that just know them or heard of them, people that haven't even joined the houses, and everyone was speaking out. Coincidentally, she went on a podcast called What They Don't Tell You around the same time. And the host asked her about her time living in the house. So Lauren, the name of the show is What They Don't Tell You. Yeah. So what's one thing they don't tell you about being in a content house? Um, well, I can't speak for all content houses. I don't want to like, put down any other houses. <laughs> Yours. But for the one that I was in, um, the contract, they said they would bring us deals. They would do this and that. Um, you know, it would be super flexible, like blah, blah, blah. They were very controlling. Um, they, Lauren told me that like, in answering a few questions on this podcast, she was simply expressing herself. I kind of thought of it as everyone's sharing their feelings and here's mine. I didn't think of it more than that. Of all the people who saw this Notch tell-all video, it really hit home with Leslie Golden. She was horrified to see a group of girls even younger than her who had felt objectified, manipulated, and controlled by her former boss's behavior. I think it took those really young girls being a lot ballsier than us to speak out for us all to want to speak out. And that is why I spoke out because I wanted to back their story. I had never met any of them, but our stories were so similar. So she boosted the message by posting a video on Instagram about her experiences living and working at Clubhouse. She talked about all the mistreatment she'd gone through, that management had instructed her to shave her head and buy baggy clothing to convey a certain stereotype of her sexuality. The video was up for just a few hours overnight. Then Leslie deleted it. My entire point in my video was to confirm their story so people didn't think that they were lying because I know how powerful Chris and Amir are money. It just can get you a long way out here, especially in California. It's not necessarily a given that young influencers have anything of substance to be influential about. But it seemed they'd found a worthy cause in decrying the management of Clubhouse Media Group. Now, they were seeking justice for their mistreatment the best way they knew how, 
by using their giant platforms to speak frankly about what it was like to work at the company. But I wondered, as I often do whenever influencers speak out, what was justice in this scenario? Was it swaying the public's perception against the people who hurt them? Ensuring that others couldn't be hurt? Banishing Clubhouse Media Group from the influencer world once and for all? Watching this play out from the outside, I was struck by just how contained their disturbing allegations remained. Maybe diehard fans and gossip mongers were keeping up, but it didn't seem like investors were. Amidst this public outcry, Clubhouse Media Group's stock didn't take a hit. In fact, it was climbing to new heights. The day the first big salacious Not A Content House video was released, the company's stock was trading at nearly $12 a share. Six days later, it peaked at a little over $27 a share. In the court of public opinion, accountability can be thrown by the wayside, and a little bit of damage control can wipe a whole incident from the public's memory. And behind the scenes, Clubhouse Media Group was working to ensure just that. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Not a Content House's bombshell video came out on February 10th. But let's rewind a bit to talk about the days and events that led up to that. Chase told me that somewhere in there, he got a phone call from Amir. Amir calls me and he was like, we need to talk. And I was like, 
oh, this is never good. I was like, well, what's going on? And he was like, um, so the girls have, have voiced some complaints and, and said, you're being too aggressive towards them and, and this, this and that. Was, you're the one to speak, but okay, like continue. And then by the end of that phone call, I was sort of like, okay, I'm done. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, I, I'm not going to be the fall guy. I'm not, this is not happening. I'm trying to continue my career and be in this industry for a very long time. And I was like, this is not going to help that. And I, I said that word for word. Chase said Amir told them they should take a break. In the meantime, he'd need Chase to turn over any company documents he had. And his email would be shut down. After I got off that phone call, I almost did a cartwheel because I was like so happy. I was like, this part of my life, I want to just leave behind and never look back. For what it's worth, Chris Young remembers that Chase was fired in person at Amir's house. He said he couldn't remember the context, but the cause for concern were texts Chase had sent to some of the influencers. I was told by Amir that Chase had written some really rude and disparaging remarks to the influencers. And I was shown some text messages. Now, you know, the veracity of them and whether they're things that might have been deleted or not, I'm not 100% sure. But from what I saw, it appeared that he did essentially step over the line and say some things that shouldn't have said that were not appropriate. And so I agreed that he should be fired. But given the things Amir texted that night, the members of Not A Content House were refusing to speak with him directly. So Chris Young said that the same day Chase was let go, he visited the members as a kind of third-party negotiator. They only trusted me to sort of speak to them. They didn't want to speak to Amir. House manager Nor Coder was there that day too. Amir, like no one wanted to talk to him. Chase was fired. Chris Young was trying to salvage the relationship. You know, they were like, all right, let's, you know, Chris Young, we never used to see the guy. He came out of nowhere and was like, all right, you know, let's chat. Chris talked to them a bit to find out what was going on. And he stuck around to watch the original bombshell notch video being filmed. Before we started filming, I literally told them, and Chris Young was standing there too. I was like, say whatever you want. And Chris Young was like, whatever, fuck it, say whatever. I was just there to report back to the board. You know, we, we saw that it was potentially a crisis situation. And I'd essentially been just informed right at that time what was happening. I do remember speaking to the influencers to sort of hear their concerns. And I made the decision. I think that was what spurred me to make a, a recommendation to the board that there be better processes going forward to protect influencers. Chris is referring to a pretty extraordinary agreement made between Amir and the board. We passed a board resolution for Amir to be removed from all conversations directly with influencers. Sources familiar with the situation and text conversations I've reviewed indicate that this agreement also forbade Amir from visiting the very content houses his company ran. Meanwhile, the company put together a team of professionals to deal with the fallout from the video, including an outside firm named Lucky Break PR and a former studio executive named Adrian Gary. According to Chris Young, Noor, and other staff who worked with Notch at the time, the company's chief of staff, Arlene Guzman, met individually with the content house's remaining members. After those meetings, they reached an agreement. The company would provide them with a new, improved property where they could have a fresh restart and continue to live and film content. 
It would be called Just a House. Nor Coder said that there were also negotiations to make members' contracts more specific, so they knew exactly what to expect week to week. He and a camera guy told me that to save face for the company, the girls agreed to film an update video. The catch was that if we were going to work with him again, like with Just a House, that we would talk about the adjustments that are going to get made and then also make it public that there are adjustments. The first bombshell YouTube post, the one that set all these conversations into gear, was unlisted on YouTube, meaning it wouldn't show up on search results. And two days later, a new one appeared. So then, you know, the the second video was made, like where they kind of talked about what's going to happen moving forward. It was a short update. Cynthia Parker, the 16-year-old creator at the center of that text blowout, was notably absent. Here are Devin Winkler and Sabrina Caceda talking in the update video. Y'all have a lot of questions, and we just want to answer them. Um, We're all staying together. We're like family. There was nothing wrong with the whole company. It's a ginormous company. It was just the people that were managing the content houses, but they already made changes. Like, we're making a lot of changes right now, and I feel like the two most important factors were those two people, Amir and Chase. They don't work with us anymore. And so we just wanted to start fresh with a new name, new place, like, just get all of this, like, negative energy, like, out of our lives. I should mention that both the original tell-all video and this one have been removed from YouTube. But at the time the follow-up video was recorded and posted, Nor Coder told me that it was something of an assignment. The company guided the conversation, like, you know, it was like, here are the talking points, and, you know, we just need this to get across. Clubhouse Media Group rounded out their public campaign to rehabilitate their name with a March 5th press release directed to shareholders. President Chris Young was quoted in it, saying the company had learned lessons from the last year. The release then promised the company would establish a, quote, groundbreaking advisory panel to establish, quote, the industry's highest standards for professional and personal growth for all talent, end quote. Bizarrely, when I asked him what he meant by this, he said he didn't even know about this release he was supposedly quoted in. Any number of our board members could have approved a release without actually having a run of finance. I was not aware of that release, nor was I actually voted on it. Those words didn't come from my mouth. When I followed up to ask if the advisory panel was ever formed, he said he didn't know and referred me to their PR team, which is a little bit confounding considering the fact that Chris was the company's president at the time. And as president, you'd expect he'd know about these things. How else did Clubhouse Media Group react to being publicly dragged by its current and former employees on the internet? In two particular cases, the company sought legal remedy. About a month after this whole media cycle died down, Lauren's mom, Yvette, was at home in Anaheim when she heard a knock on her door. I think it was a Sunday, and I was by myself, and I was just working on some things, and, you know somebody comes to the door I thought somebody's just selling something or whatever so I don't want to open the door and then they knock again and I still you know don't answer the door I kind of go up to see if I could see who it is and it's some lady and then they walk away they say something but I can't hear them my daughter comes home my other daughter and she's like there's all this papers thrown on the porch 
So they weren't in envelopes or anything. And there was three different packets of what appeared to be a lawsuit. I, I was like thinking shock, you know, and kind of just saw the, the name at the top clubhouse and that Brian, myself and Lauren were on it. I was just like, this can't be real. The suit accused Lauren of slander, libel, and a violation of the California Business and Professions Code. It claimed that some public remarks Lauren made about the company, specifically that she was losing rather than making money while working there, had caused Clubhouse damages exceeding $3 million. Because she was a minor when the interview occurred, her parents were also included as plaintiffs in the lawsuit. I never would have thought I'm getting sued at 17, you know, for expressing how I feel. Leslie Golden was served a similar complaint for $2.5 million in damages, linked to that Instagram video she'd posted. From the outside, Clubhouse Media Group was doubling down, investing money and time in defending its public reputation. Thanks to the team of professionals it hired, it had made peace with the very influencers it upset and secured a public statement from them saying as much. It had put out a very optimistic, if meaningless, press release, and it had even gone so far as to take two of its former creators to court for comments they made online. But from within, new problems were beginning to unfold. In the latter half of February 2021, Clubhouse Media Group's board received a concerning document from one of its contractors. A three-page letter titled, I'm Scared. On the final episode of This Blew Up... Sleepless nights? Sure, I have sleepless nights. Maybe thinks I'm weak or something. Some of this content just know it was explicit. The person I became working at Clubhouse, it really took a toll on me. I learned like a new thing that's kind of fucked up about LA every day. I'm not gonna let anybody bully me and back me down into a corner again. Thanks for listening to This Blew Up. If you're enjoying the pod, please, please, please take a moment to tell a friend about it. I don't even have close to the amount of followers as the influencers on this podcast. So your word of mouth is the most valuable promotional tool we've got. This Blew Up was written and reported by me, Alyssa Bereznak. Its executive producers are Juliet Littman and Sean Fennessy. Our story editors are Connor Nevins and Amanda Dobbins. The show was produced by me, Kaya McMullen, and Vikram Patel. Copy editing by Craig Gaines. Fact-checking by Juliana Ress. Special thanks to Erica Cervantes, who helped with research and early production. The theme song and some of the other music tracks you heard in this episode were composed by Devin Rinaldo. Other music you heard in this episode is from Blue Dot Sessions and Epidemic Sound. Sound design by Kaya McMullen. Mixing and mastering by Scott Somerville. Art direction by David Shoemaker. Illustration by Alicia Tenoyan. Voice acting by Anjali Shah, Laura Motter, and Matthew Knight. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.